Welcome back to Your 1230, the podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of only 12 questions in under 30 minutes. Uh, with this, this evening, we are absolutely thrilled to be joined by Omni Casey. Omni is a family man, serial entrepreneur, business owner, and real estate investor. His real estate career started 20 years ago in Hawaii on the North Shore of Oahu, where he grew up. He moved his family to Northern Virginia roughly 12 years ago to be closer to his wife's family. Omni is a, is a real estate investor, broker, coach, and a published author of the Cash Flow Breakfast Club. The book details the path that he took to achieve financial freedom before the age of 30. Omni, welcome. We are really excited to have you here. Happy to be here, Mike. Thank you. So I'm going to start here. Uh, you must really love your wife to move from Hawaii to Northern Virginia. Is that a safe assumption? That That is very, very safe. I get the question all the time, who moves from Hawaii and why? And the really, it just, I, I you know, we, we, she put up with me for so much in terms of, you know, trying to you know, grind and achieve that, you know, real estate portfolio to achieve financial freedom. And the, the reward was we can do whatever we want, live wherever you want. And it was, let's move to Virginia. And so we, we made the move and, and I love it out here and started the next phase of our life um, here in Northern Virginia. Okay. So I won't make a joke of it, but moving from Hawaii to kind of the East coast where I am, was there an adjustment period? Was there any preparation? Was it what you expected it to be? Yeah, so we were spending I don't know some time, maybe a month or or, or a few months uh, a year prior to the move. So I felt I knew the area. We never did come midwinter though, and my wife sold it as winters are not that bad here. And and so um, my first winter here was what was called Snowmageddon, and where everything shut down, and you know, uh, so I I got thrown into it fairly quickly. So yes, winters are, are rough for me here, but uh, we do find an excuse to go and, and vacation in other areas whenever possible. Well done. I like that. And we talked a little bit off air, both that uh, my pronunciation A is terrible and that you both work and obviously live with, with your wife, Shara. What is that relationship like? How do you how do you have the boundaries laid? How how did that come about? I'll, I'll let you take that from anywhere, and then we'll kind of dig into it. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting dynamic um, because I do so many different things, and I'm always starting some business, right? I'm addicted to building things, and she's not, right? So she's very supportive. She's like, "Go do your thing," uh, as long as she gets to kind of be with. Uh, she loves her role as mom, right? She's a great mom of of our three kids, and anything that I am building, she's obviously my checks and balances to say you're crazy or sure, let's you know look look at this a little bit deeper. So she is really my like my VP of of everything. Um, there are some businesses that I run that she has no interest in being involved in. I completely outsource and hire other people. And there are some, you know, for example, like our personal real estate portfolio. Um, she, I, I love buying rentals. We buy rentals all the time. She has no interest really in being involved in that. She loves the creative aspect and the, the design. So every once in a while, when we buy a home that we need to fix up and and we're going to actually sell it, she loves getting involved in that. So she kind of picks her her um, you know places to get involved, and um, she really you know has control over everything we do. Just has a say of how involved she's going to want to be. 
That's I love that answer. The VP of everything is a great title. Uh, I, I want to dig into a couple of things a little deeper. First, um, we talk about a lot on the show partnerships and the idea of kind of a check and balance and that the one and one is greater than two. And it's, and as you describe it, that's exactly what I thought of that. Um, you talk about yourself as a builder and that um, you have your built in checks and balances. Um, how, how, how how did you determine that that would be each of your role? I assume you know having having the personal relationship, it was obvious. But how did working together come about? So uh, it was an evolution, and it has been fairly recent. The last I would say five years or so. I would say the the first twenty years of my growth trajectory, we were completely separate. We were doing our own things, and um, at some point, she you know got burnt out of what she was doing and decided she wanted to just stop working and, and be at home. And, and we put a plan in place for that. And she did not want to be involved in anything that I was doing. So it was like, go do your thing. Just, you know, don't mess it up for all of us, but I trust you. Um, and then it came down to the point of maybe kids got a little bit older. Maybe she had more time and maybe I start to do things that were maybe cooler in her eyes that she wanted to be involved in. So it was sometimes me asking her, can you help out with this? And sometimes it is her saying, Hey, I think I got an idea. I think one, I could do this better than you're doing. Um, and you know, she's inserting herself because we have a pretty open, you know, dialogue of what's going on. Um, but it's never, it wasn't always of here's what we're doing together as a business partnership. It was more along the lines of she was a supportive wife. Um, I would say the last five years, primarily because I wanted to shift into um, bringing my kids along with what I'm doing, primarily on the real estate investing side and educate them at a young age. Um, so she got to hear a little bit more of my my mindset, you know, of, of what it's like to be with me and to be one of my my um, my customers, my partners or things along those lines through the eyes of the kids. So she um, accepted it a little bit more. I, I love the evolution there, the way that it's kind of grown. And I agree with you that teaching the kids at, at a young age that there is certainly more than one way to to earn a living and that there are uh, lots of different ways to to earn income. And, and we'll kind of get into how you do that. Uh, the builder background, was that something you always knew about yourself? How did you discover that? And uh, how, I'm sure that's taken you to some uh, interesting places. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't think um, real estate in general was not always my focus or background. My my father owned a construction company. He had a roofing company, waterproofing company. So I, I grew up around construction and business growing up. Um, I just love business. I never thought real estate was a business. And it wasn't until I got into it and I started buying properties or really digging into it um, that I realized it was a business, it's an amazing business. Uh, being an agent, being a broker, that's a business, right? And you just kind of don't think of those things as, as businesses. Um, so my you know, addiction of businesses kind of drew me in and I don't think there's a better, better business than real estate. And so that's what I kind of uh, got attracted to. The development side or the builder side is one element. Right. So, you know, in real estate, um, you can be an agent, you can be a, a, a landlord, you can be a, a wholesaler, you can be a syndicator. Um, the developer side is a very specific niche. Um, and it's something that, um, you know, in recent years have uh, been attracted to more or of the, whether it's a rehab or the ground up development and, and a big project that we're, we're trying to get off the ground and working on. Um, it's really um, the satisfaction of creation, right? Just like I built that, I designed that, I built that, I saw that to fruition. There, there's something rewarding about that. Oh, that's that's great. That's great. Um, so you both also co-wrote the book, uh, The Cash Flow Breakfast Club. Could you tell me a little bit about 
both the writing process as well as what the book is about and who it's for? Sure. So um, I I started coaching. So I run a a brokerage here. I'm I'm, I'm a broker as well, about a hundred agents, and I never really talked about real estate investing. I you know I was an agent along the way, so I kind of coached people as agents. But I kind of start to feel guilty of I'm helping people become you know successful real estate agents, but never really came out as a real estate investor primarily because my wife and I are very private. We just did not want to come out and just share what we were doing and what we own and, and you know along the way. Um, and I just started to feel guilty. So I started to you know, coach my agents on the investing side. I got permission from my wife to do that, uh, of course. And then that spurred into they wanted me to coach and, and help their family and friends on the investing side. Um, and I just had to go back and just kind of write down like every transaction that I did you know, for the last 20 years, all of my successes and more importantly, all of my failures and what did I learn from them and the process that I, you know, stumbled across the mentors that I found, the, the, the groups and masterminds that I joined and, and why did I succeed? Cause I could have easily failed. Right. And, and so I had to figure out there's something that I did, right. There's many things that I did wrong. Um, and so it became a training manual for me and never really intended to publish it. If you will, it was my story. And, and it was a very, like, I'm a, high D personality is bullet point, you know, kind of format. Just that's how I think. That's how I talk sometimes. So it wasn't like a good book, if you will. And, and so, um, three years ago, maybe is when I did that. Then my wife really encouraged me this last year. Um, Hey, we, you know, you wrote something. There's a lot of good content in there. We just got to restructure that in a good story format. So she helped me with the story format, put all the same lessons, put all the same, you know, um, you know, steps and principles for financial freedom through real estate in there, but now it's just in a parable format. And it just happens to be about this guy that grew up in Hawaii. And, you know, he started out, you know, investing in real estate, he became a real estate agent and, and, you know, a similar path that I took, but more of an entertaining story than my bullet points that I had in the beginning. Uh, this partnership is sounding better and better as we, <laughs> as we get into it. Uh, uh, that's, that's great. And uh, I, I tried to write down quickly all of, all of the things you said, cause I wanted to follow up cause they are, they make me jump when I hear them. First off, uh, having a process, having that manual, and then working with, with mentors. So I, I'm sure you have been in both roles where people have mentored you, and you mentioned mentoring your agents. How did that transition go? Because um, I know working with real estate agents can be um, a, a, a different <laughs> experience depending on, on backgrounds and what they're looking to do. To have that mindset shift almost from helping others buy and sell to the in investing mindset where you talk about that's, you know, from, you know, one piece of building to now we are, we are owners, we have passive income. There's a lot of different uh, opportunities available. What did that look like? Yeah. So I, I think, um, one, we didn't talk about it because I assume most real estate agents invested in real estate. I started out as an investor before I was an agent. I got an agent out of a necessity just to kind of speed it up, you know, for, for me along the way. Um, turned out I love being an agent. I love that side of the business as well. But I was always an investor first. Um, but I just assumed everyone was an investor. Everyone owned real estate and they just didn't talk about it. We didn't like to talk about it because every time you talk about it, it sounds like you're bragging, right? And I want to be a jerk about it. Um, but then it was it was probably somewhere in the maybe nine years ago, eight years ago, um, someone that I mentored for a few years as an agent and and um, became very successful, top agent. She was, you know, towards the end of her career and kind of helped her kind of restart her career and, and have several really good years, make make a lot of money. Um, but then we had this, you know, we 
went out for coffee one day and, and he's talking about her success, but she's talking about, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm ready to retire. I'm ready to wind down, but I got nothing, right? The moment I stopped selling, I stopped making money. I'm like, what are you talking about? You must've made how much money in the last four years? What have you been doing with that? And, and so that was my aha moment of, no, not everyone's doing it. Not everyone, everything I made in, in commissions went to go buy properties, everything. Like that was it. That was my mindset. Um, and so realize, okay, even the top agents out there, the ones that are successful, they don't have a way to exit. They don't have a way to, to transition. And you look at that in so many, so many, you know, businesses and careers out there, small business owners, or even some W2 employees, they, they're working, they're working, they're working, and they just feel like they can't exit or they can't exit at the lifestyle that they want. And um, you know, having benefited from real estate ownership, knowing that it's not that hard, you know, it, it takes patience, it takes a very specific discipline and path and, and sacrifice along the way. But if you are intentional about being a property owner, an investor, or whatever it is, and you follow very simple core principles, um, most people can do it. Most people can kind of follow that path. And, you know, it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's not an overnight success scene, but it is, you put in the work and, you know, two, three, four, five, six years of consistency can, can get people to a whole new level. We have very similar aha moments in real estate and I'll keep mine brief, um, but it was almost a, a joke. It was a real estate agent asking, hey, do you remember going to your colleague's retirement party? And they look at you befuddled. What do you mean? Nobody retires. It's like, yeah, that's the problem that you need to sell real estate until you can anymore. And it's it's a morbid joke, but that was a similar aha moment for me. It's like, there's got to be a better way to do this. Um, so you mentioned principles and you mentioned that most people can do it. And patients seem to be the number one uh thing that you know if most people are getting into they have to understand this is not an overnight you know passive is going to take time it's not something that you're going to see uh, very quickly what other principle if i'm looking to get started a patient's number one what else should i know or what else would be important to uh, plan for yeah so overall financial literacy is so important right just understanding debt understanding you know what a true asset is understanding passive income versus active income so those core principles um mindset more than anything is a core starting philosophy and the reason i wrote the book with uh in this parable format is it allows you to vicariously live in this life of a very relatable character uh, and, and this character is very stubborn, like I was in the beginning and like many people are without that mindset. Right. And you evolve your mindset along the way through failures often, or through, you know, aha moments. And so it kind of takes you this, through this evolution of mindset. Um, and, and once every, every time you evolve your mindset, you're able to do a little bit more because if you just start off and say, all right, well, one of the steps is you should house hack, you should get rid of your housing expenses or what the, the to the average person, that sounds insane. Who the heck would agree to do something like that? It makes no sense. But if you you're if you're at a certain mindset, now that just makes so much sense, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna do that because now that three thousand dollars a month that I was paying for mortgage or rent or whatever, my my renter is covering that for me. And guess what? That's thirty six thousand dollars a year I have that I could not save. That I don't care how much I made. I've spent more, right? I, I make another $50,000. I'm going to spend another $50,000 because that's what I do. And so you have to kind of trick your mindset and hack your, your, your brain more than anything. Um, and, and things like a house hack gives you that ability. And then, you know, having the, the plan in place to, I call it hiding your money from yourself. Like, cause I've helped people learn the house hack, you know, method of I'm going to live for free. 
And I forgot to tell them, don't go spend all that money, the extra money you have now. Now they have another $30,000, $40,000 a year that they were spending on housing that they weren't, uh, that they're now not. And a year later, we're saying, all right, well, where's that money? And they're like, I have no idea, right? I, I guess my, my partying budget went up. My eating out budget went up. Um, so it comes down to, I, I got to be disciplined and trick myself as if I don't have that extra income for one year, for two years, for three years, whatever it is. I'm really big on living my life in segments. I personally live my life in decades. So my twenties were about financial freedom. My thirties was about generational wealth and, and just hit 40. And now I'm, I'm about leaving a legacy and trying to do what, what I feel is legacy related. And if you live your life in segments, whether it's 10 years or five years or three years, that allows you to have a start, a middle and an end to it. And your sacrifice might be a very small segment in that um, in that life, right? Because if you're just saying, I got to live lean my entire life, that's a tough life, right? And you're always building, building, building for something you're never going to get rewarded for. But if you're saying for the next five years, I'm talking about financial freedom. So I understand my sacrifice for the next five years. My wife understands the sacrifice for the next five years. And we're all in because after that, we're shifting to something else, right? Because we hit our goal. We get to, we get to do something cooler at that. And then we're, it's going to be about something different. So that's, I think, important in terms of mindset. I'm taking down notes feverishly over here because I want to follow up on everything you say that is super interesting. And I'm going to start with just highlighting the uh, kind of interplay between the stubborn perspective and then the changing or evolving mindset to, all right, I've got to be open to these things. I've got to look at it this way and then go back to financial literacy, as you said, that be, being disciplined is good, but you have to understand why I have it part of a bigger picture which I'll tie up here with, I like the way you segment into decades. Um, that's kind of a good way to look at it. 10 years is a long time. How often do you check in? And with real estate, there are shifts, cycles, whatever you want to call it. How does that play into your 10-year 10, 10 segments? Yeah, that's a great question. So my my 10-year segments were not specific to real estate, right? It's more, more personal than anything. Um, I just felt early, in my early 20s, I for whatever reason, whether it was reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and those types of books that just got me to a different mindset and knew that I just was not built out to be an employee my entire life. I needed to figure out how to become financially free, not because I didn't. I I love working. I like I tried retirement. It sucks. I'm telling you, <laughs> it, it sucks. Um, so I'm going to work until the day I die. and I'm going to be happy, happy doing it. But I get to do things that I'm, I enjoy doing regardless of the pay, right? I get to work on things for a long time for no pay. And guess what? I usually make the most money on those projects because I, I'm able to go all in. I'm financially set because of my rentals and I can put my, my, my passion into something else. And hopefully it turns into a big project that pays off that financially uh, my family gets rewarded for. But if it doesn't, then they're okay, right? So you get to follow your passion. Usually it leads to something that does pay off uh, along the way. I will say decades, if I had to do it over again, it wouldn't be decades. It would probably be every three years. Um, so I've shifted into a three-year vivid vision just in the last few years um, because I just realized the reason for the 10 years was I needed to my 30s to become financially free. And then I was like, all right, I did that. Now what? And so it's like, all right, what do I want to achieve till I'm 40? And then I, I created my, my definition of generational wealth. And I just said, I'm just going to tack on another decade there. Um, but the reality is that forced me to create something, build something and exit from it, meaning retire prior to that time frame. So, so I had to build a business and prove that it was successful without me, without my me being the driving factor within that time frame. And now I'm going to try to do that every three years, hopefully. Fantastic. I love it. 
uh, changing gears a bit, uh, I read in your background that you host or lead a, a pretty large community. Is that specifically for real estate investors? And how did that start? Yeah, so it's that that community is called the Cashflow Breakfast Club, and so that's where the name of the book came from. And the book is kind of a a parable format of someone going through that meetup. And meetup's not the right word, um, but that's just a term that we all know. Um, it's really more of a mastermind, and it really feels like a club that you're a part of. And I I benefited from multiple versions of this growing up um, in the real estate and business entrepreneur space. Um, and I've come to realize that whether it's real estate agent, real estate investing, or any other business, um, it's almost impossible to hit your full potential. If you don't have three things, everyone needs mentors, coaches, and masterminds and, and mentors are coaches and coaches are two different things. Um, and so I've been a mentor and I've had mentors. I've been a coach and I have coaches currently still, I run masterminds and I, I make it a point to be a part of high level masterminds as well. And as you do that, it pushes you. It just pushes you because human nature um, is to seek comfort, right? To find a place of comfort. But we all know that comfort is not growth. Comfort is is stagnant. And in a just pure in, inflationary environment, you know, if you take a talk about stagnant, that's really dying or, you know, your net worth is dying or your value is dying if you're not growing. Um, so pushing yourself out there. So this community that that I created started with that, all right, I'm starting to coach some of my agents. And then it's, can we, can we bring in some of our friends and family? How about our clients? And then eventually it turned into, all right, we're just going to open it up to, to everyone. Um, and we start to, you know, kind of uh, create this r- roughly once a month, maybe every 45 days meetup slash force networking slash mastermind slash, you know, we're running some case studies, um, kind of a hybrid approach. And what we've started to, to see was, we're a normal meetup that I've attended many times. I go to meetups and you see the same person there five years in a row that has still never bought real estate or has still never done. They, they love learning, but they don't take action, right? Um, where our events turned into people actually taking action, like, like the, the, the drinking through a fire hose type of mechanism that we put them through, the community and the relationships that we almost forced them to create amongst each other gives them the confidence to actually go partner up and go do something. And so um, we realized that we were actually helping people take their first step towards financial freedom. Um, so we start to expand that. And so we opened up. Uh, so I'm here in Northern Virginia. We opened up in Hawaii. We're actually in the process of opening up two more in the next month or so. And our goal is to expand that to about 100 locations in the next three years because we feel like it is there's a void for what we're doing. And it really comes down to you know, providing investors um, that, that are already leaders in certain areas. Once you kind of get to a certain point, you kind of want to give back. And most investors become mentors by default because they just feel like that's what they should be doing. Everyone has that awakening or almost guilt like I found. Like I wasn't helping enough people. Like I put my head down. I was doing my thing. I was helping nobody for a long period of time. And then I looked up and said, I, I need to start helping people. Right. And so this gives th- those people a format to say, all right, I need to pour into my community and help someone that was where I was five years ago, get to where I am today and hopefully take it even farther. Yeah. It goes back to that. And again, I wrote down a ton of notes here, but the win and help win mentality that I got here because play people helped me, pulled me along, got me to where they are. And I, not that I owe, but it's, it's kind of in that spirit that I would like somebody else to come, you know, bring somebody else along. And that's, that really is the, 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 
absolute best mindset for an entrepreneur. The mistake that I see sometimes entrepreneurs, and, and you referenced it, that they realize, you know, I don't want to be a W-2 employee. I got to go do my own thing. And I, I found that there's nothing further from the truth that as an entrepreneur, you are working probably with more people than you ever did as a W-2 employee. You know, it's different hats, different capacities, but it is the coaches, the, the partners, the the masterminds, the, the ability to collaborate in creative ways. And I, I think that's the... That's the interesting thing that people say, all right, I just need to get out of my nine to five, do my own thing and realize that, well, doing my own thing means I'm going to work with a lot more other people and it's going to be sure. a lot less structured. So how are you going to do that? Uh, I love the way you put that. Uh, we are coming up on time somehow. Um, so I will ask, you know, you obviously have a lot going on between work and the family, but what do you do uh, for yourself for fun uh, when you are not uh, working toward those 10 or three year goals? Yeah, I'm I'm um, having a hard time trying to force myself to get back into. I'm so addicted to real estate and business, so I love that. Right, this is what I'm doing for my hobby because that's what I get to choose. Um, but I think I've taken on. I mentioned earlier my my three kids. My oldest is 13. I have a 10 year old and a uh, eight year old, and so they're at the age where they're, you know, they're able to grasp some of the concepts and it's so rewarding. So I'm challenging myself of what kind of different things can I do um, to kind of get them involved. So I take them out on the weekends, we go see properties, we visit projects that con contractors are working on. I, I show them PL uh, sheets and some, my oldest gets it. My middle one's like close, right? And my younger one has no idea what we're talking about. Um, but I walk them through that and we, I try to give them ownership of actually very specific properties, like ownership of like the, the success of this means this, right? So we don't have traditional allowances. They got to work for everything they get, um, but they, their understanding of that and being involved in the business um, is what I get so much passion about. So it's still business related, um, but it allows me to kind of uh, play an important role, I think, as a, as a father and, and hopefully instill something in them that I think is important that they're probably not getting, you know, in traditional education or any anywhere else out there. Um, and it, that just kind of becomes a game for myself, my family, and my, and my wife of how can we, if we're on a vacation somewhere, how can we pull in a, a story? How can we, you know, go look at some real estate and, and teach a lesson along the way? Um, also great for tax write-offs, because if you're always looking for properties, no matter where you go, there's ability to not, not official tax advice, but I've been told um, there's, there's things you can write off. Not official tax advice for sure. Yes. Um, you know you found the right profession if that's how you're spending your free time and or vacations. And you just light up as you talk about it. So it, yeah. it's without a question. And it is one of, if not the greatest gift you can give to a child as a fellow dad of three, it's, I feel like it's my responsibility to not you know, force them, but to open their eyes, say, these are your options. There are endless possibilities. You need to at least know they exist versus... Um, just go through life with a very narrowed and siloed view. So I, I love that you're getting them involved so young and that they are already uh, taking the ownership and they've got uh, a different or uh, ways of for their, their allowances. That That's fantastic. Sure. Do you get, uh, so it sounds like the, you do get back to Hawaii. You're starting a community there as well. Yes. Uh, so all my family's still out there. Uh, one of the the regular masterminds that I go on, Brandon Turner leads a mastermind. He's uh, one of the ho previous hosts of Bigger Pockets, real, real estate investor podcast, and and so he uh, runs that. Um, you know, once once or twice a year out in Maui. So um, once again, I'm going out there and then heading over and, and vacation and spending time with family. We're heading back there um, again later this year. You know, for for weddings and things like that. So um, once twice a year is kind of a goal. Um, you know, when kids were younger, it's, you know, fewer and far between, but the goal is, you know, once or twice a year, head back there. 
Very nice. And um, where, where can our listeners find the book? Where can they find you? Where can they find out more? Yeah, so the book's on Amazon. Uh, Cashflow Breakfast Club on Amazon uh, just came out with the Audible version, uh, so you can listen to it, um, you know, or read it as well. My uh, website, omnitheinvestorguy.com, and I'm on most socials at omnitheinvestorguy. Uh, try to put out some decent content and and some free tips. And I mentioned being a coach; it's not a business. I don't charge for coaching. I just I, this is kind of the point of I feel like I should be giving back, and the more people I can help, um, the more rewarding and kind of legacy hopefully it's able to um, help build there. Excellent. We will have links to all of those. Um, my last question, I think we have covered a good amount, but is there anything I didn't ask you that I probably should have this evening? Yeah. Um, no, I, I think um, we covered the vast majority of, you know, what, what I care about and what I'm thinking about, you know, today. Um, everything is, you know, real estate related for me, but um, you know, the one thing that's kind of been my mantra throughout my life and my career. And as of late, um, you know, I, just, I, I you can't see it, but I'm wearing a jacket it says, are you playing the right game? Right. So like that question, I, I asked myself over and over again, are you playing the right game? Because, you know, at an early age, the game was active income. How do I, how do I make a lot of active income? And turns out that game didn't matter, right? No matter how much active income I made, it did not matter. And so the, the, the real game was passive income. And if you have a business, it's, you know, are you, are you in the business? You know, you're in the business as a solopreneur, entrepreneur, and you should be asking yourself, are you working on the business? And they're two different games. They're two different sets of rules. Um, so if I can, you know, kind of encourage anyone is to just ask yourself every day, no matter what you're doing, what game am I playing? Am I playing the right game? Um, and and if you have the realization that, no, I'm not playing the right game, I got to step, step out, think of this from a different direction, put on my CEO hat instead of my worker hat, maybe, and maybe I'm going to 10x this, you know, by taking a different direction there. That's that's a great place to to wrap up. Um, you know, I, I heard once who's like, you know, if you don't have a target or a finish line, you have no chance. You know, if you don't know where you're going, there's no chance you're going to get there. And that's the exact same thing. If you don't know the game you're playing, you don't know the rules. How are you going to win? How are you going to do well? So I love I love that phrase. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you, Omni. This was uh, this was great. So uh, thank you for joining us. And I look forward to next time. Samir, it's a blast. Thank you. 